Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. Remember, you're, uh, you're in the room so I can see you. Good morning. There we go. Wherever you're at, if those of you are online, Princeton, uh, I, I thought it was colder in Princeton than here, but in this room right now, my gosh, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, put your jacket on, exactly, right? Wow. Well, what a, someone said it yesterday, what a beautiful day. The, the sun was shining and reminding us of the possibility that spring will come. Sun, how many of you enjoyed that? Yeah, it was so good, wasn't it? And uh, we talked, started talking about this series on Mighty Prayer, and uh, Pastor Frank Damasio from uh, Portland, Oregon, talked about this, having this word possibility over our lives. How many of us need some possibility in our life so to believe that God, that there, are, there is something that we haven't seen or walked in or experienced yet that would be possible for us? Because there's lots of been lots of other things that have happened that seemingly come against us. And it can be easy to lose your sense of faith and possibility in God. And then two weeks, uh, or the week after that, I talked about there's two paths. There's an enemy who only wants to steal. He only, it says, he came only to steal, to kill, to destroy. The enemy has, the enemy of our souls, the devil, some people call him, Satan, the accuser, has only one design. It's not good. Stealing, killing, and destroying. But then Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundant. Last week, Pastor Daniel did a great job. If you, again, if, if you ever uh, can't find or you're missing a message, you can go on to horizonfam.ca. You'll find them there. But Pastor Daniel talked about Weeds in our life, not weed. Weeds. Yeah, I know we're in BC, but uh, weeds that might be in our life. Some of the things that might choke out the word of God that God wants to speak to us because it's so incredible. We need to hear from God in the times that we live in to navigate how to live our lives, how to walk forward. The Bible speaks to so many incredible principles, but the Bible doesn't tell you where you should live. It doesn't tell you what job you should take. It doesn't tell you who you should marry. It doesn't tell you if you should marry exactly specifically for you. So we need to to hear from God. And so I'm going to continue on in this talking about how can we pray mighty prayers so that the, re, the ideal of God could become our real, that the possibility of God could become our reality instead of it just being a pipe dream or something that for somebody else, but that for you and for me, for those of us that are here, that the possibility of God could become reality. Somebody say reality. And I'm going to go to John chapter 15 right now. John 15, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every, so here's something. Every time you hear the word abide or abides or you see it coming, I want you to say it strong, say it loud. Even online in your room, wherever you are. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide. That was your cue, right? When I say abide, when you see abide coming, then just say it strong, say it with me. Here we go. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Say, I'm a branch. I wish I was a little thinner like a branch. I'm a very stocky branch. He who abides, let's try that again. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me or apart from me, you can do nothing. So inspiring. Without me, you can do nothing. Jesus was talking about something that everybody in that culture would have been familiar with, an agricultural uh, concept. Um, Not a lot of grapes grow in BC, except maybe in the Okanagan. Uh, But we are not as familiar as they would have been about agriculture. And Jesus was always telling stories about their world to tell a heavenly truth so that they could understand something that God was saying through what they were observing in the world around them. And grapes were common. They were used for all kinds of things. They would be used for wine. Uh, They would be used for, uh, for food right there, fresh grapes. And if you were, for me, you would, maybe you would have raisins and dry them and make rum and raisin, uh, rum, yes, rum and raisin ice cream. Someone told me that's old man ice cream. I said, well, I've been old then since 18 years old. It's really good if you haven't had rum and raisin ice cream. But raisins, and even after all the grapes were squished, the wine was out of them, they would then take those and feed them to the animals. So nothing was wasted. Grapes were incredibly needed and necessary for the culture there. And Jesus was telling this story and was talking to his followers and giving them a picture of how their life could be in God. And one of the many pictures of a relationship between God and his people, the, the, this, this picture of the vine and the branch is the most powerful because it speaks to dependence and it speaks to, to life. It speaks to connection. The branch depends on the vine even more than the sheep depends on the shepherd. The branch depends on the vine even more than a child depends on their parent. This Jesus was telling them and saying, guys, I'm about to leave and I need you to understand that if you're going to live the life that I have for you, you must abide. You must abide. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word that's quick. I thank you for your word that's powerful. Thank you that it will accomplish the purpose it's sent out to do. Lord, right now, I, by the word of my mouth and the thinking of my heart, say I give you space and place, Lord, to redirect, to correct, to, to challenge me to encourage me, to strengthen me. And I hope and pray that all of us, as we uh, listen to your word, will be transformed and move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. This week was my birthday. Yeah. I, I hate my birthday. No, I don't. I like my birthday. I'm not big on birthday parties, but someone organized something for me for yesterday um, where so a group of guys got and we went go-karting. We all had the same cars. They looked exactly the same. They looked exactly the same. Everybody had the same cars. There was like 10 of us there. And I was in, not pole position. Daniel was in pole position. I was number two. So I'm thinking I've got a good chance here. I just got to stay in front of everybody. 
And so Daniel goes in front of me and he starts going, boom, and he disappears. And I start going, I was like, what's happening? I'm pushing it harder and I'm like going and then suddenly, shoom, 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 three people went by me. I thought, hey, looking at the back, am I pushing the brake by accident? Like, what's, I'm pushing it harder and harder. And I was going on a straight stretch, so I think, oh, maybe I just, I'm not cornering well or something. I'm going on a straight stretch. Luke goes by me, like that. I was like, what's going on? There's something wrong with it. Then I started to have bad thoughts. I start, they had said at the beginning, if you are driving crazily, they have a way to remotely tune down your vehicle so you won't be able to go as fast. So I was thinking, it's my birthday. Daniel's a prankster. He has asked them to turn down the, the speed of my vehicle right now. So I'm driving and I'm not enjoying the moment. Finally, I like, then I'm going to start to hit people. I'm going to get in the way of them because they can't surely go as fast. Something is wrong with them. And I finally, I'm getting to the end and I'm about, we finally finished and I thought we were done. And so I'm undoing my seatbelt. I was thinking, I got to tell these people there's something wrong with this thing not knowing that there was like a nine-year-old in there before me who could hardly drive and was, yeah. So I was thinking it was over. I'm going to go tell them. And then suddenly they're like, are you ready to go? I didn't know we were doing it again. So I strapped back in there and I'm going around the whole time. I'm like, mm. everybody's just going around. I'm in my own little race, just doing my thing. There I am. Think I'm going to finish. Jacob, shoom, 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 shoom. Some people did 13 laps in the time I did 10. I was dead last every time. And I got out and some of the guys were asking me, were you hurt? Like, did you get hit? Maybe your back was sore. You're driving so slow. I'm like, shut up. Maybe you're nervous, pastor. What's wrong? I was like, nothing of the sort happened. My car had a problem. Then I discovered there was a governor on it that was tuning everything down. No matter how hard I pushed that gas, it wouldn't go further. Literally, I would push the gas. I didn't use the brake. I just pushed it. I'm just going around and I could not keep up. People are waving. <laughs> Isn't life feel like that sometimes? Just not see it moving at the speed or the way that you thought it should? I mean, you're doing everything that you can and other people in life are just going by waving at you and you're in the space and the place where you think nothing could go wrong. I can't go any faster and suddenly possibility becomes pessimism. I had the beginning and I thought possibly I'm going to win today. I was pumped by the end. <laughs> Faith has become frustration and hope has become hopeless. Perhaps you've wondered if it was a problem with how you're, how you're made or you've wondered if God was mad at you or you know you've tried to conquer that issue. You've worked and worked at your marriage. Lord knows you've tried whatever the issue is. But like me, you know something is just not right. It continues to limit you and stop you and not get where you're going, not going in the speed that you thought you might and you just can't keep up. Hold that thought and we'll come back to it. Remember when we used to ride in planes? About two years ago was like a normal thing. People were like, you wanna, I'm going to be going on a holiday. I'm going to take a plane. Oh, that's really good. Enjoy yourself. Now it's like a plane. Have you been on a plane? What happened? But when you do go on a plane, if you ever go on one again, unless we go back to horses and buggies, we're not sure right now. But if you go on a plane, they say this stuff. And I'm the guy who sits in the row and I listen to that person. 
I have, I sometimes think this could be my last flight. I'm on the tarmac and I'm saying, Lord, anything in my heart right now, I just make my, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to be right with you. I'm that guy on the thing. I hold on a little tight. So they're going through the thing and they always say, if there's turbulence, a mask will fall down. And what are you supposed to do? And you put it on you first. Lord knows that's easy for me. That guy behind, beside me, you figure it out, bro. I am getting my thing. Yeah, I know you beside me. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> All right. You're actually supposed to help yourself first. It's the rules. Help yourself first so that you can help others. But if you help others first, you may not make it because there's this thing that that oxygen that drops down is vital because if it's dropping down, it's because there's a problem. It's not just that somebody beside you passed gas and that drops down. It's like something is really wrong if that happens and you're meant to put that mask on. You need that life flow of oxygen if you're to survive in an environment that is actually hostile to your very existence. And then Jesus talks a little bit more. We'll get there in a moment, but you don't, you, we don't realize how important air is. I heard this thing called the, there's, it's, it's referred to as a rule of three. You can do about three weeks without food before you're really in trouble. Some of us could go longer. You could do three weeks without food. You can go about three days without water before you're in real, real, real trouble. But you can't go more than about three minutes without air. Most of us, one to two minutes. I was reading about these divers. I think they're called ama in uh, Japanese and Japan. Female pearl divers. Some of them will hold their breath up to five minutes diving down 100 to 150 times a day getting pearls. But most of us are not pearl divers. Nor are we Navy SEALs who could hold their breath for maybe four minutes. Minutes. Most of us are like one minute, maybe 36 seconds. And we're like, I can't do this anymore. Air is incredibly important to us. It's absolutely vital that we stay connected to oxygen and to air. And similarly, in this agricultural illustration that Jesus is giving for spiritual meaning, he's saying something very, very similar. He's highlighting two words, abide and apart. Abide in me so that you will bear much fruit. Someone say much fruit. Apart from me, you will have no fruit. Abide in me and you will have much fruit. Apart from me, you will have no fruit. Abide in me, you will have much fruit. Apart from me, you will have no fruit. And the purpose of the branch is to what? Bear fruit. That's why you have it. I have a cherry tree on my front yard that's going to get some trimming this year because all it had was branches and green leaves last year. And I want cherries. So I'm going to prune it. And it's not going to like it for a little while. But we don't want to plant grapes for just grape leaves. They may look nice. But people do all the work with their grapevine trimming it, pruning it, fertilizing it, doing all the stuff so that it will bear fruit. 
And the work of God in our lives is not so that we can look good on Sunday, but it's meant so that he can do a work that's deep in our roots that might need some pruning off of things off of our life that might need to make some adjustments so that we can bear much fruit. So that we can go around the track and not be at the back. Abide means to remain, to continue, to stay. Abide means to persevere, to stay, to dwell. Those are some good words in the, in the middle of a COVID pandemic. Some things have been shaken. Has anybody noticed that? And what is being shaken, but what will, is meant to remain will remain. And Sometimes if our connection to Jesus was based on a moment over a meeting on Sunday, more like a grocery store where we went to get what we needed and had no connection with the source of the food, we are moved, we're finding ourselves hungry and thirstier than we have ever been because we are dependent on a meeting instead of a master. Much fruit to continue, to persevere, to stay in, to dwell, to not walk away, to stay connected, to stay vitally moved and imparted to Jesus and with Jesus. Absolutely necessary for us to be abiding with Jesus, to become who we're called to be and to do what we're called to do. Now, the, we have to get those in the right order. When we abide with Jesus, we start to become who we're called to be. And out of that becoming, we start to be doing what he's called us to do, producing much fruit. But our health starts in the becoming, becoming adjusted, becoming more like Jesus, becoming pruned, becoming working at us in so many different spaces, becoming so that we can be producing. And when Jesus says, abide in me, he's talking about our will. He's talking about our choices. He's talking about the decisions that we make. We must decide. Somebody say decide. We must decide to do things which will connect us to him and keep ourselves in contact with him. Because what Jesus wants to do in our life is first that there will be fruit in us so that there will be fruit through us to the world around us. It's never meant to just stay with me. Jesus wants there to be, um, as Jesus, or as was said of Joseph in the Old Testament, that a fruitful vine over the wall, that there's something beyond just me, the chosen frozen, the us in the room, that would have a vision for a life and a, and a city and a nation, that there would be such fruitfulness in us and through us that our neighbors would be touched by it, that our families would be touched by it, but that our city would be touched by it, that no matter what's going on around us, that the fruitfulness of our life is not dependent on the atmosphere that we live in because we tap into another atmosphere. We tap into the spirit of God. We tap into Jesus. And when the, the oxygen of heaven, so to speak, we put it on and we say, doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to make it. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to move forward in what God's called me to do. I'm going to abide. And Jesus uses that analogy to help us see that there are specific effects that happen when you abide. And John 15 and 7, he says, if, someone say if, if you abide in me and my words, there it is again, my words abide in you. Why do we need to hear God? We need to hear him. Here's another reason. And in my words abide in you, take their home in you, live inside of you, are part of you, ask whatever you wish. There it is. And it will be done for you. Wow. 
Jesus gets very specific here. He mentions words, his words, they bring life to them. His words are spirit and they are life. And he goes here, I want to tell you that when you are abiding, your prayer life begins to shift. You will ask what you will because you're hearing what Jesus is wanting for your life. You're hearing clear direction and your prayer begins to be praying in alignment with what he's asked you to do. And then there's something even more. You start to pray things that you could never think of or imagine for your life at one time. Abiding. And then in verse 9, he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abiding means receiving the love of the Father. In verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you. There's words again. That my joy may be in you. How many of us need more joy? If you don't, the people around you do. The world does around us needs to see people that are overflowing with love instead of hate, that are flowing, overflowing with joy instead of anxiety, that have more of the spirit of God in them than the spirit of the world around them. Abiding means receiving the joy of Jesus. In a world full of hate, love comes in. In a world full of fear, peace comes in. In a world full of upset, joy comes in. That's because you're tapping into and putting on a mask not that kind. No, not that kind. Not this kind. Not this kind of mess. The one that comes from the help yourself first. Abiding is something incredible. I connect to something beyond me, a deeper life source, the very presence and spirit of God. His words are spirit and they are life. His power is resident within you if you follow. It's not for the one who has known Jesus for just for those who have known Jesus for 57 years. We thank God that he's with them. But he's also, if in the middle of worship you said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And there's a power inside of you that can shift every atmosphere that can break every addiction that could bring hope to the hopeless the very power of God is resident within us abide abide and then we talk about this word apart what about that in fifth verse five he says I am the vine you are the branches if a man or a woman remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing apart from me you can do nothing it isn't that we could do no activity without Jesus. It just means that our activity will have little to no eternal effect. But, see, they could be active in him without him, yet they could do nothing of real eternal value without him. And apart means there's just a distance. It means an open or a detached space between two things. Nothing means it's a very good Greek word that means nothing. Nothing. Shutting the door on what could be. Possibility instead of opening without Jesus, without abiding in him, you're closing the door. And it literally means to close the door on possibility. That was me in that go-kart. That's a part. I was, no matter how hard I tried, I, I, I couldn't get the connection to work the way it was because there was a, a limiter on there and I was frustrated and I was bumping with others and I was hmm, damaging other vehicles, wondering what's wrong, hardly moving, apartment frustration over fruitfulness, 
Apart means activity without effect. Apart means little to no life change. Apart means my life isn't changing. Why does this habit hang around? Where is the life change that Jesus said that abundant life? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what stops abiding? What causes apart? Verse 10, Jesus says this in John 15. If you keep my commandments, my words, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. When we keep his words, we abide in him. We'll get to there in a moment. When we don't keep his words, the implication is we don't abide in his love. Doesn't mean his love goes away. Doesn't this hang in there. Keep means to watch over his words, to guard them, to make them, those words, not just the words, but it says the idea is that to hold is one's own. You know, when someone says, keep the change, it moves from you to them. And the word of God and the very word of God begins to not just be the word for everybody, but a word from him to you. It's so important to know that God wants to speak to you, but if you know him and follow him, he is speaking to you. Keep his word. Keeping his commands is so important. It helps us to abide. It brings fruitfulness. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings the love of God. It brings a, a resilience that's impossible. But Craig, I, I, that's impossible for me. If you heard what comes out of my mouth, if you knew the thoughts that flittered around in my brain, if you knew what I was watching, you would know that it's not possible for me to keep his words. I try. Paul even said that in Romans 7. He says, the good I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, that's what I do. It's a human problem. That's why we can be grateful, though, that we have another life source. Jesus knows we need help in this calling, which is why he promises to send another helper, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit abides in us. The Spirit disciples us. The Spirit will be in us. We need Holy Spirit to help us. We need Holy Spirit. We cannot do it all alone. But when we fail to keep his commandments, the word and way of Jesus, it affects our abiding. But some might say, well then, Craig, are you saying that I get, if I sin sometime, I'm going to get tossed by God. I'm cut off. I'm thrown out and I got to start again at the beginning. I've lost. No, we aren't saying that. When we are forgiven and saved from our sins, we give our lives to Jesus and much of the New Testament emphasizes that we are saved. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified. Their word justification is a, get a little, just hang in here for a moment, is a legal just declaration that it's just as if you had never sinned. You have been declared righteous before God. You have passed from death to life, from being an outsider to an insider from being an orphan to being a family. It all happens in that moment. Lonely into family, prisoners to be free. God has declared you innocent. The record is expunged. You can't find it. It's like it never existed. And that's the gospel. But some people believe that that's it. I've said the little prayer and I'm gonna say that prayer and I'm moving on. No matter what I do, no matter how I do it, I, it's all done. It's all good. But there's more to salvation than that. In the second letter to the church in Corinth, Paul said this. He said, since we have these promises, in other words, since all these things that God has spoken to you, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. 
So there's a process as well. We are saved and we are being saved. Justified, sanctified. Justification, sanctification. Those are two big kind of theological words. Justify, my standing does not change. I belong to God. I, I am a son or a daughter of God. But as I sin throughout my life, I need to deal with another space, another place. We purify ourselves. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that, he's not speaking to some people out there. He's speaking to a church. Once you surrender to your life to Jesus, the forgiveness that we still all need to experience is relational forgiveness. A great way to understand this is through marriage. Sometimes, probably not in our home, but sometimes the actions of a husband could affect the atmosphere of the home that require ongoing forgiveness and reconciliation. Suppose, if you knew somebody, a husband ignores his wife and takes her for granted. Suppose that he even says some unkind things to her. Suppose that he was ignoring her. Now, she might no longer respond to him in the way that she did in normal times. Even though they're still living under the same roof, there's little or no communication between them. Are they still legally married? Okay. Are they still feeling love? Probably not feeling love. Are they communicating? Do they have a great relationship? They are relationally distant. They're apart. There's a separation disrupting their communication and their connection, and their marriage is not what it could be. It's similar in our relationship with God. When we sin, we are still legally his adopted son or daughter, but when we sin, there's an issue to resolve. There's a disruption in the flow. There's a life in, in the flow of life and relationship from God himself, and repentance moves me from apart to abide. Repentance moves me. Oh, Craig, did you say that word? The R word? Yes, repent. Repent means I'm going one way and I say, whoa, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to go this way. And the wonderful thing about repentance is no matter how far you've gone in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. You can always turn around. Repentance is this beautiful thing. It's, it's not just a word we say, but it involves your mind. Repentance means agreeing with God and saying, I was wrong. There is no place for denial. A good dad joke would be the only place for denial is in Egypt. There is no place for denial in you. Repentance also includes our heart and our emotions. Now, when you're when you're young, we all have those moments where we cry and we sob because we've been caught doing something. But godly repentance or godly sorrow is different than that. It's when we are grieving over the cause of my sin rather than the effects of my sin only. The cause is my poor decision, my sinful attitude, my sinful behavior. And finally, there's repentance includes your will, the will to change. Not just, yep, sorry, and go on and kick you in the shins again. Sorry, kick. Sorry, kick. No, 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 that's not repentance. That's words. It involves my will. And worship team, as you come, repentance is powerful. 
James 5 and 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Repentance brings God's healing. Healing to your, is, it's, this is not just natural healing. This word means a supernatural healing power of God. Repentance brings God's healing and is bringing the attention of God himself to the situation. Repentance also brings God's power into it. This word power means a combative, uh, confronting force to achieve all that God has called you to do. So when we repent, uh, suddenly the power of God infuses us and there's a combativeness for us within us that's not just our ability, not just our strength, but that we stand and we can fight through what the enemy is trying to stop or the situation that you're fighting through. The power of God, when I begin to repent, I access God's power in a new and a fresh way. Repentance also makes my life effective. Effective means to energize like a switch being turned on and a light shows up. The power of God begins to flow in my life because my relationship has gone from apart to abide. So if I'm going to hear God well, if I'm going to say yes to God, if I'm going to get the direction of God in a world gone crazy, I need to be a person who lives in a heart of repentance and soft towards God. You read through the Psalms and you'll read many, many places where it says, search me and know me, O God, see if there be any wicked way in me. Why do we have to pray that prayer? Because most of us think we're pretty okay compared to them. But repentance moves me from apart from Jesus to abide with Jesus. Repentance moves me from nothing is possible to all things are possible. Repentance moves me from my power to his power. Repentance moves me from my inability to his ability. Repentance moves me from my weakness to his strength. Repentance moves me from my anxiety to his power. Repentance moves me from fear to love. Repentance moves me from apart to abide. Abide. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. More love, more peace, more strength, more kindness, more goodness, more perseverance, more patience. But depending on what you your experience was when you had to you had to be corrected maybe how we approach God. In Genesis chapter three, we see when sin came in, it says Adam sinned and Eve sinned. God was walking in the garden. The picture is, is God walking in, his, in the garden. Adam had hidden himself. It says God is walking in the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? Now, depending on your life experience, when someone calls you, Craig Richard, where are you? If my grandfather was calling me, I might be a little fearful. If my grandma was calling me, I would come. If your expectation is only punishment and not restoration, you may not come to the Father in repentance. In fact, we will hide like Adam. And when Adam comes out, he's kind of this picture of he's covered himself with some leaves of his own work, trying to cover his shame and his nakedness. He was hiding, but God was looking. 
He was walking away from God, but God was walking towards him. He was naked and God was covering. Adam had shame and God had love. Adam was powerless, but God is powerful. And in that very first instance, when God encounters sin in humanity, his response was, let's get back on track. I wanna restore you. Your place is abiding with me. Sin broke that. Jesus has restored it so that we can come boldly before God's throne at any time in any space. Jesus has made it. It's not by animal sacrifice. It's not by good behavior all the time. But as Hebrews 4 and 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We need it most. Proverbs 24 and 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Sometimes there just needs to be a little grit in us that says, I'm gonna get back up again. I feel this or I feel that, or I've been in this space or that space, or I've gotten into a habit of gossiping. I've gotten into a habit of complaining. I've got like whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a big, I've murdered three people's sin. I invite you to stand to your feet. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My only motivation this morning is that in any space where there's an apart that we move closer to abide. And you may slip in and out of that from moment, this moment here or that moment here. Sometimes you're doing really, really great and you're in abide and then you wake up and you know you've got to go to that workplace or you've got to confront that issue or you've got to deal with this and you just feel a little something coming up in you and you feel like a little bit of a drip. It's so easy to just stay in that apart but to abide. Jesus, right now, and you may pray something like this, I just acknowledge my absolute desperate need for you. This is my regular prayer. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. I acknowledge that I need you today. My emotions are out of control. Would you come and help me? I pray prayers like that. I pray prayers like, Lord Jesus, would you help me to see things from your perspective today? I don't wanna be run that way. Lord, would you help my feet to be feet that bring good news into spaces and places? Would you help me to be someone that speaks your word in places there where there isn't one? I can only do that with you, Jesus. I don't want to be a part in any way, shape, or form. I want to be abiding. No matter how far we've gone in the wrong direction, we can always turn around to move from a part to abide. So that through your life, through your family, through your work, in your workplace, in every space and place, that there's a fruitfulness that comes out of you that says, wow, there's a God who still changes lives. There's a God who comes into spaces and places and sets things in order. There's a God who says that the impossible is possible. There's a God who says, wow, his life, look what's happening in them. I saw where they were. I know there's some of the stories in this room of people who were caught in addiction, caught in all kinds of things, and God has come in and restored lives. And the generations will be different because there's an abiding Jesus transforming. Some of you have grown up in spaces, that, I think of this sometimes in my own life. He was forgiven much, loves much. 
When you're aware of your, the great need for God, it's easy to love him. But sometimes when you're like, I haven't done any really, you know, whatever our issue is, is bad. But then we'd have a revelation of God's great love for us. Of how much we desperately need him. That anything good in my life comes from Jesus. Not because how smart I am or how figured things out or I had all the opportunities or I had this or this. Anything good in my life comes from Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes down from him. The abiding presence of Jesus. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Just ask Jesus this very simple question. Is there any space between you and me? If there is, what is it? simple. If he showed something to you, it's very, very simple. Jesus, forgive me for that. I don't want that. I want only you. So forgive me. I release that to you. Thank you that your forgiveness flows. That if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive my sin and purify me, Lord Jesus. And I want to move from apart to abide. Lord, I pray for also for those that maybe have never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of their life. No matter how far we've gone in the wrong direction, we can always turn around. And it's as simple as Jesus said this once, these seven little words he told this parable, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you pray that prayer from your heart, God sees your heart, he hears your words. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sons and daughters in the rooms, Lord Jesus. Maybe some of us have been in spaces and places of shame, covering ourselves, trying to work hard to earn something from you. Maybe fearful to even ask because we feel like, well, I blew it over here. Lord, I thank you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, I pray for great faith to arise in our hearts that our God is good, that our God is looking for us, that our God is loving, that as we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit in us and through us for the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.